I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade, and this week we're reaching into our archive to look at Barry Jenkins' romantic drama, If Bill Street Could Talk, when in January 2018 we spoke to actor Regina King. I've been likening it to a visual symphony. The way the camera was moving over Tish and Fani as they were walking in the greens the and the, the color, music. the swell of the music. And when you're watching it in the theater, that music is surrounding you. Let's set the scene. In 1970s Harlem, Tish and Fonny dream and love big, but fate has other plans. I hope that nobody has ever had to look at anybody they love through glass. Regina King, as an actor, has made her mark through an incredible, hard-working career. Her first film role was in the groundbreaking teen drama Boys in the Hood. But for me, it's her roles on the small screen which have made an impression, including The Leftovers, Seven Seconds, Southland, and maybe the greatest cosmic love story of all time in Watchmen. This is a sacrament. And no, I ain't lost my mind. We are drinking... A new life. Tish gonna have Fanny's baby. This was director Barry Jenkins' follow-up to breakthrough Oscar-winning film Moonlight. So back in 2018, I met up with Regina King to talk about her role in If Beale Street Could Talk. This really is a film where every part of the creative process shines: the acting, script, cinematography, directing, costumes. Everyone made a difference. Mm. What did you think when you first saw it all the way through? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all. I normally don't watch myself in things. I don't like to watch myself, but the producers were like, you have to see this film. (laughs) Not for you. You just have to see this film. And first five minutes into the film, I started getting really emotional. And I was like, oh, my God, why is this happening already? And I think because... Of all of the things you just mentioned, you know, it's I've, I've been likening it to a visual symphony. Mm. You know, the way the camera was moving over Tish and Fani as they were walking in the greens the and the, the color, music. the swell of the music. And when you're watching it in the theater, that music is surrounding you. And then the camera lands on Tish's face and she's looking at Fani with so much love. Yeah. I just was filled with so much emotion and was ready, like, it had just pulled me in and I think that's what it does throughout and there's just there are just so many moments that um, are quiet and we don't get Mm. to see quiet films too often anymore and when we do they're usually not interesting or or you know what I mean they're not entertaining and that Barry Jenkins was able to find ways for the audience to just sit with the characters and allow the audience to emote 
with the characters, and it was just fantastic. What he, James Laxton, the cinematographer, mm. just oh, that I, I'm of the trio of Barry, Nicholas, and James is just you know we, we I feel like as an audience member we we've got a treat. You're all right. Me. I'm not the one who just got punched by a mist inside their belly. <laughs> <laughs> and and you sort of as a, a director and a writer and a producer as well. I mean, do you do you look at them and magpie like and see what they're doing and see if you could take something or be inspired by them? Sure, I think we're always. I mean, as a as an artist, we're you're always pulling for ins- you're you're finding inspiration in everything whether it's a photograph to an experience with someone with Barry he's just like a walking lesson you know like some people that are so smart you're just always like oh here they go you're just when when you're with Barry you want to hear him talk mm. you want to to know his opinion about something because he's such a um kind person as well so you know his opinion is not colored with any uh, malice or any negativity Mm. I always feel like I leave my moments with Barry as a better person (laughs) (laughs) and the combination of James Baldwin and and Barry Jenkins I get the impression that the director is very thoughtful thinks through things thinks Mm -hmm. about language and and so it's it's a great marriage Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what attracted me. The combination of James Baldwin and Barry Jenkins was what attracted me to uh, want to do the film. I've been saying that James Baldwin uh, birthed the baby and Barry raised the baby. (laughs) (laughs) The the mother that you play to Tish and and the family that you help sort of create, it's such a beautiful role. And and I would have thought a lot of the times when you see a mother part or written within a script or a television show, it could be weak and stereotypical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it starts again with what Baldwin, um, his writing, um, in the book, Sharon, I think, is multidimensional. And Barry just did a beautiful job of pulling that out even more and and pulling it out and condensing it. Because in the book, Baldwin takes two or three pages with some of his descriptions, which as a reader is lovely, but you yeah, can't yeah, do yeah. that in a film. <laughs> and Kiki Lane, this was her... This was her first role, yeah. and, and 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 I read she still you know still, still refers to you as her as her mama. Yeah, yes, 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 she does, um, and I feel like she's the daughter that I'll never have. You know, <laughs> she's just she just impresses me so much because I feel like it's very common uh, for young artists uh, to be so interested in the celebrity of mm. it all, and she is so excited about expressing her art and it's just contagious and you know a lot of people ask well was there anything that you taught Kiki I'm sure that would be more of a question that you would have to ask Kiki because I feel like um, with every experience that I've had in my life on any set I feel like I walk away having learned something about myself mm. having learned something about art form, having learned something about technical things, whatever. Kiki just came ready and she was professional. And I feel like I could see her doing a bit of the same, being a sponge. Yeah. Yeah. Finally's mother didn't like me. 
She just didn't think I was good enough for Fani, which really means that she didn't think I was good enough for her. And in another way, she felt that I was maybe just exactly what Fani deserved. And that's the power of it for for her and for you. You could relate to these characters, perhaps more so than others you've played. Absolutely. Um, one, being a mom, you know, having a mother and a grandmother who are women that embodies a lot of the same qualities that Sharon mm. um, has. Uh, so it was, you know, I was able to tap into those things that I felt as a daughter about my mother and and Kiki, I think, feels the same about mm. her mother. And then, you know, when you ask every single one of us, we all have very strong relationships with our mothers and some of us very tight relationships with our fathers, Coleman and uh, Stefan. You know, I know their fathers uh, are really um, big in their lives because I've, I've gotten to meet Stefan's father, which wow. is <laughs> very cool, which was very cool when we were in Toronto. But we, all of us came from uh, supportive families. So we know that from an experiential place. Speaking of Coleman, who plays Joseph, your yeah. your uh, your husband in the, in the film, there's something about him. I mean, maybe it's the voice, maybe it's the personality. He doesn't say a lot, but yeah. I, I instantly love him. Yes, you do. He's so, so oh, yeah, cool, yes, yeah. he's so cool. He's so darn cool. And I, and I always say, you're so sophisticated. You know, he's he's... He's one of my favorite people to be around. We spent New Year's together, and he has that I'm every man thing. You know, like how Shaka Khan's I'm every woman song, <laughs> Coleman's I'm every man, you know. <laughs> the, the way he reacts to the pregnancy, though, is, is again, it just felt fresh and, and different. Yeah, uh, yeah and, I, and I think that that's the beautiful thing about the Rivers family, that uh, you get the feeling that Joe and Sharon, they, they've created a home where there's no shame. Mm. And um, you, you, you feel that, mm. you know, when you just see um, the way they uh, rally around this young couple. That child is coming. It's your grandchild. I don't understand you. It's your grandchild. What difference does it make how he gets here? The child ain't got nothing to do with that. Ain't none of us got nothing to do with that. Your character does have a bit of action, sort of goes to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and tries to... This is the job you would normally see of a detective or, mm-hmm. or, or kind of the, the person trying to solve mm-hmm. the, the, the crime. But um, it, it's, a, it's, a t- it's a tough journey for her. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so much that it was like trying to solve the crime. I think she... The way I interpret it is that Sharon was the... Is the, the matriarch. She's the person in the family that she solves everything. She mm. fixes everything. And she knows that she's known for that but she is terrified with the fix it that she has right now Mm. so she's going because she knows that everyone believes if anyone could fix it it's her so that's what she's got to do and I think that this is one of the layers that you get to see with Sharon that a moment where she's she's terrified Mm. and um for those who watch the movie to see how it works out but um 
And the scene where you're wearing the wig as well or adjusting the wig and she's... she's That's what you said. To me, I I felt like that was, you're seeing her fears. You're seeing she doesn't have... We felt, uh, Coleman and I, as we were building these characters, that Joe and Sharon lean on each other a lot. Sometimes it's weighing more on Joe. Sometimes the, the responsibilities are weighing more on Sharon, but they are definitely a partnership. And here she is thousands of miles away without her partner. What does that look like? And anyone, I think, that is of adult age, and I think even some kids have felt this, where you want to just break down, but you can't. So you suck it all in, and mm. and we and, and most of us know what that feels like, and that's what that moment was for Sharon. With um, Fonny, who we we have mentioned, obviously, um, it's someone that we don't see a lot of, except in in, in flashbacks, because mm-hmm. he's obviously in prison. Mm-hmm. This injustice that's happened to him, this this terrible sort of like accusations and mm-hmm. that that process. It's interesting in the sense that it, it's nothing that's kind of can be done about it. I think mm-hmm. I think that's a frustration, but it's obviously Barry and, and and the writing there to to make sure that that doesn't overwhelm the film. The anger is calm or, or, or steady. How would you describe it? Um, I guess quiet is a, that that's the word that I keep using. But Barry was very smart, and because there's some scenes that he removed that we actually shot and um, shot a different ending because to to do exactly what you're saying so that there wasn't, um, we're not left with this feeling of hate Mm. at the end of the movie, you know, because at the end of the day, especially when you think about the black American experience, that it's amazing to uh, realize all we've overcome to be where we are. And this film is not only a representation of the survival Mm. Um, of of the black American, the black man, but also the uh, universal theme of um, when faced with trauma, it's usually love that gets you on the other side, mm. and that's that's not a black story. That's a universal story. And I mean, and I think that um, it's you know any in, anyone who's read any of Baldwin's essays, you know, you definitely. No, you can hear in in his in his words how much he loved America, even though uh, he felt like America didn't love him, didn't love us, didn't yeah. you know? But he was out of time. Yeah, us. yeah, yeah. And he's been a voice. He's still he's speaking from the grave, you know. <laughs> and does a character like Sharon stay with you? I mean, that's the beauty of the film, or the thing for the film is I walked out, and I can even now I can feel it in a sort of um what do they call it synesthesia kind of way i can feel the film i can feel you're still there looking after the child um i don't know if sharon stayed with me but the film definitely just i mean i've only seen it once and i thought about it that film every day for like three weeks just because just what it it, there was i got the chills there were so many things that i was feeling, you know, so so many emotions at once. And uh, I think it's, that's quite powerful. You ready for this? I've never been more ready for anything in my whole life. As with all good interviews, I would have wished for extra time to learn more about Regina King. She was extremely kind and engaging with her answers, as hopefully you heard. 
I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. We're here, hopefully, to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.